Hey, castmates, and welcome back to The Hard Conversations. And this is the first episode of season two. We, we did it. We made it, Joe. We, 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 we are going to start this new season off right. We have some great topics for you, hot topics, but we also have a special guest coming to join us tonight. Um, very popular uh, podcaster and YouTuber, um, Ugo Boy. And so we're excited to have him join us and give us some more insights on podcasting and just what this life is like, right? We're trying to grow. So we like to talk to other people who are in the same uh, playing field. Uh, we can't wait to have a fun and exciting new season with you all. But before we get started uh, for today's episode, uh, Guru and Morgan, how are you guys doing? Happy New Year to you. What's been going on? Happy New Year. Uh, it's been it's been warm down here. Well, I wouldn't say warm. It's actually been chilly. It's actually probably like the coldest winter I've I've experienced here in uh, Florida. The coldest uh, winter ever. I don't say I wouldn't say ever because I haven't been here that long. But since I've been here, this is definitely the coldest winter. I've had to wear like a light jacket like every day. I was just trying to make a sister soldier reference, but anyway, carry on. Oh, <laughs> yeah, hilarious. Yeah, right. I, I I caught that. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, the Miami Mall aliens. I'm gonna throw that out there. Y'all need to go check that out. <laughs> they are here, people. They are here. But they they've been here. And they've been listen. They've been here since the fucking pyramids. They've been up in here. But people don't believe you, even after the government said, "Yeah, nah, we we don't know what these shits are. These are some UFOs." People still don't believe. It's crazy. But anyway, that was my. Well, it's funny you mention that, Guru, because aren't you starting a new segment this year? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about these aliens. We got to talk about it. It's a lot going on. They get more and more bold for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. So what what did you guys do for uh the new year? Did you guys celebrate it? What did you guys do for the holidays? I mean, two weeks. We took two weeks off. That's a there's a lot of stuff happening in these two weeks. Holidays were chill. New Year's were chill. I, I got my crab legs. Um, nice. So we had our crab legs, collard greens, uh, and black eyed peas for New Year's Day. So I expect my my year to be bountiful and and without misfortune. Um, and when you, we're going to have to track the price of crab legs as a segment, too, because they're, they're getting out of control. But anyway, it was chill. My yeah. vacation was too short. But I'm happy and fortunate that I have a job. Amen. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. No one answer. <laughs> um, yeah, no, mine's is really relaxing. Uh I got to see the fireworks uh from my balcony. So I see like like the whole the whole like bottom south of Miami, like fireworks is pretty dope. So. That's what's up. I didn't know Miami had fireworks. That's nice. Yeah, we dropped the uh the orange. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes, yeah, and a nod to the to the apple. The, okay, I got it. Right. I got hood fireworks down the street. I mean, yeah, we got those too. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think I remember hearing fireworks, but I was at my cousin's house. We did have a nice little celebration. Um, and you know, once one o'clock hit, I was gone. I was out. You know, of course. Um, yeah, I did I'm, not stay up long. 
Yeah, I can't do it too long. I was surprised that I stayed up till one o'clock. Yeah. Uh, but it was probably because I had to drive home. That, that, <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah. And I mean, for a half an hour, I was like, like, okay, y'all don't got much time, you know. So definitely changing with with uh, with age. Um, but um, correction for you all. Um, I I did say that we'd be uh dropping the episode on the tonight, but nope, we'll be dropping the episode with Ugo Boy on uh tomorrow, just to you know get that update up there correctly. But let's get into it. We have so much to talk about. War updates. Uh, I want to address some castmates that uh, ask some questions about how we discuss the war. I also want to talk about that. We want to talk about what's going on with the color purple, because that was like a really big thing that we didn't get a chance to review. So we're going to talk about that review. And we're going to talk about Dr. Umar and, and his disdain for marrying bunnies. Right. And uh, we'll we'll break that down even further. The snow let's bunnies, get... to be specific. Snow bunnies, that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> but let's get on to the war, right? Let's start with uh the war in Gaza. We, you know, we we have been talking about what's going on there. This is a genocide that is currently taking place, and uh, we've been talking about. I know, David, like one of the episodes that we recently did in the last season, you you were saying that you know funding was going to be uh, getting stopped, but it looks like Joe Biden is still currently funding the war, even going above Congress, uh, doing whatever he can to try to get this money over to uh, Netanyahu. Uh, we even have uh, Bernie Sanders going so far as to plead for Congress not to approve $10 billion in funding that Biden is trying to do. So it doesn't look like Biden is going to be backing down. We, we did say previously that Biden was discussing uh, with Netanyahu that He's probably losing some, uh, you know, ground here because he's losing support. But it just doesn't seem like he is trying to uh, get on the right side of history here. I mean, what do you guys think about this? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm glad that Congress is putting their foot down and like, listen, our 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 debt is we're in the trillions. Like we owe we owe big money. So it's like, all right, we're spending it on stuff that's not helping us, right? We're spending it on stuff that we we basically spending money on stuff so we can say, remember that, so we can pull a card on people. Remember we helped you out? Yep, yep. So like that's what we're spending a lot of money on. I don't think we're gonna get. I don't think if shit hits the fan, that Ukraine gonna be like, yo, we got you. Nah, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I feel like all these billions of dollars that we're spending is, you know what I'm saying? Don't get it wrong. <clears throat> I feel like we should definitely still send them like aid and stuff. Well, uh, you're talking about Ukraine. I'm I'm talking about Gaza. Oh, 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 you're talking about Gaza. Well, all right. So for the Gaza thing, we don't need to be funding that either. Honestly, this is not this is not our battle that we should be fighting in. Honestly, same, still the same situation. Right? I was about to say, I think it applies to both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I either. mean, yeah, but it's also the fact that, but, but see, here's the thing: the Congress is is Congress saying for Ukraine no more money? In yeah, the same Ukraine way in Gaza. Yes, they don't. Okay, they're, they're they're under the same impression as I am that listen, we we owe a lot of money. We need to actually have a plan how we're going to pay this off instead of just saying we're just going to add to the debt. That's all we've been doing. We have no plan to really pay this back. The, well, the only thing that we have is for like, 
you know what I'm saying? Just keep adding to it, it's just, which is crazy. Yeah, but I don't understand why we act like we can't just print the money. Um, like I know, like I, I mean, like print that, the money. You know, there's probably back. some type of there's some type of right like, checks and balances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but what we check in and balancing. But this is, I think this is bar. Isn't this borrow money from China or something like that? A lot of yeah, we're in part of what we're in debt we're for in is we're borrowing money from other countries. Yeah, countries, right? And honestly, I do kind of feel like we need to clean that up because I don't trust that China won't decide one day. Like you know what, we want you our money back right now. We want it back now? Oh, mm -hmm. but we know you don't have it. But let's work out this little deal. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pay us back. The interest you, will go up, but we'd like control of X, Y, and Z. Exactly. You need to give up Taiwan. That's what they <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's a big problem, but it's also a problem that we can't seem to get uh, America, at least like the president and the people who are in charge, to realize that we should not. I mean, again, we, I mean, even you even have Congress members who are saying, all right, this enough is enough, right? What's happening over there in Gaza is is ridiculous. And it's just getting worse and worse every day. It's actually really getting worse and worse every day. And, it is. Uh, We're not even hearing as many updates anymore because they've just wiped out so much stuff. There's yeah, not much to wipe out anymore. It's inhabitable. It's inhabitable. And uh, this is what your president has to say when asked questions about it. In Gaza has killed more than 11,000 Palestinians just over a month and created a humanitarian disaster. Israeli officials have said this war months or even years. Have you communicated to Prime Minister Netanyahu any sort of deadline or time frame for how long you are willing to support Israel in this operation? Are you comfortable with the operation going on indefinitely? And is there any deal underway to free us? Thank you. Yes, no working backwards forward. Look, I have uh, been deeply involved in moving on the uh, hostage negotiation. Um, and uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself here because I don't know what's happened in the last four hours. But uh, I have uh, we've gotten great uh, cooperation from the Qataris. Uh, I've spoken with them as well a number of times. I think the pause and that is really that the Israelis have agreed to it's down to well, I'm getting too much detail. I, I know, Mr. Secretary, I'm going to stop. The uh, but I am I am mildly hopeful. I'm mildly hopeful. That was he didn't say anything at all. Not a goddamn thing. That was actually like brutal to watch. He sounded defeated, honestly. He did. It sounded like, you know what I'm saying? He's like, I'm trying, but he don't want to say it, but he yeah. like, I'm trying, but there's a lot like he can't good. say. Yeah. But I, I definitely can't say what I know you all want to hear. So, yes, no, working backwards, exactly. working forwards, can't really work backwards anyway. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, I understand it. You got to, you got to, got to put positivity out there. You know what I'm saying? Keep hope alive, right? Yeah, sure. well, that's easy to say from this side. Mm -hmm. We're all still sitting was, in our house. I was about to say, what a hope are we keeping alive here? I mean, uh, so like hope, as in like we there are like let's not not ignore there are a lot of uh well majority of people here aren't from here, 
So like there's a lot of Palestinian Palestinian Palestinians here that uh obviously want us to keep uh supporting. There's people from Israel here that keep want us that want us to to keep supporting on either side. So there's people here that still want to push for it, but Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not quite getting it. Um, I. I do. I also see that this is really hurting him. I was just uh, reading today about like some recent like national polls that are like placing Trump uh, far above uh, um, Joe Biden, and I know we talked about like you know timing and everything, but. These same poll takers and and, and uh, people who investigate them, journalists, were saying that, you know, in 2019, around the same time, uh, polls were looking the same for Joe Biden. Like, Joe Biden was well above uh, Trump, you know. So, you know, just tracking it, it's kind of looking like it's not looking good for Joe Biden. We are in for a rough ride for elections this year. 2024 about to be lit. Oh. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. Um speaking of um Ukraine, you did mention Ukraine earlier. And uh I did want so Guru, you brought to you brought something to our attention. I kind of wanted to address it. Um, if it's okay, I, I will be, you know, cool with how I address it. I'm not like asking to go off or nothing. I just kind of want to clear some things up because some, some of our, some of our followers feel like we're not discussing all the stories out there. So guru, what was it? What's, what, what happened? Can you let us know what it was again? Oh yeah, no. I just got brought to my attention that hey, listen, if you if, to cover, if we're going to cover, if we're going to do war updates, cover all the all the wars that's going on. Uh, and it's like you can see that in the past couple episodes, we have been less, we have re reporting less on Ukraine than uh, obviously Israel and uh, Gaza has been like the top war story. But there are other wars going on. So, right, right. And we did address the other wars, though. We we did address Sudan. You know, we, we did address, like, the other... Right, exactly, uh, yes. ...genocides that are happening out there. You know, um, and I think that in the episodes where we were addressing these and focusing on these genocides, because I do want it to be clear, uh, what we've been focusing on is the fact that these, these are genocides that are taking place. Very one-sided, uh, very much... Uh, bully type behavior going on um and it's it's not okay and when it comes to ukraine you know ukraine is a you know russia is attempting to bully ukraine we do see that but ukraine has the full backing and force of the united states as well and uh ukraine is doing a good job at protecting itself. We, we're actually about to get into some some ways that we know that. Um, something that I also want y'all to understand is that everybody that's on this um, on this podcast is of the you know African diaspora, right? So we're always going to focus on 
the situations that are taking place where oppression is being overlooked. We're, we're going to show that, right? And something that I can't help but to uh, keep in the back of my mind when I think about what happened in Ukraine, especially when it first started happening, was the fact that people in Ukraine who are also Black, Black Ukrainians, or people who were African, or people from African countries who may have been studying in the country, were treated less than by Ukrainians of more European features um, during this time of war and during this time of displacement, right? So, you know, I, you know, I really want us to understand that the the hard conversations is going to focus on the oppressive uh, situations taking place, and we're always going to, you know. Sh shine a light on that you know um that's the reason why we focus our conversations in the way that we focus them right so just understand that if you know we're going to we're going to discuss all situations but we're going to also look at that first and foremost in these uh genocides and wars if you will uh, i don't know if you guys want to say anything to it but i did want to put that out there um I, I I have to say that I have trouble thinking about the Ukrainian war and, and 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 separating it from how we saw African people were treated in Ukraine um, when they were trying to get out um, and seeing videos of them literally pushing them off the train, African um, exchange students, um, and they had so much trouble. I do have trouble separating that. Um, and I, I will say that does not take away from the fact that I think all war is a tragedy. Um, I think I can say personally, the war with Palestine and Israel, and at this point, I wouldn't even call it a war, it's just genocide, um, personally pulls at my heartstrings more. But I do think that it's important to listen to what the listeners are want to hear. Um, and we have a lot of things going on. So I think it's just good feedback to hear. We do put a lot of effort into um, the Palestinian-Israeli war. Um, I think we can put some more updates on for Ukraine because we want to keep people informed. And I also even want to hear more about what's going on in the Democratic of Congo. So just something that I think we can just put some more attention into when we talk about world news, spreading it outside of Israel and Palestine, which by the way, I can't find Palestine on a map right now, but I can still find Ukraine. <laughs> Not not all of it though, but I I agree though. Uh, we're here to definitely uh enlighten everyone that listens to us to things that are going on that affect uh our community in general. Uh, but yeah, either way, either way you look at it, war is wrong. Uh, there's other ways to do it. Like there's a lot of shady stuff that is going on all over the place. Uh, I know Russia's taken. I think they said over like two hundred. What was it like 200,000 or something like that? They've taken like a, a whole bunch of like children from Ukraine. So I, I, that's, that's a whole big thing. Uh, I could see them trying to like raise them up to be like uh, salt terrorist in the future. Yeah, like some salt shit, honestly. Uh, just because you were, you were born in Ukraine, they already, they speak the language. So now if we raise you in Russia to think the other way, then we could use you later and later down the road. So, but yeah.
And just yeah. one more thing I want to add that I think specifically like me and BB get really worked up about is I don't think that the war going on in the Middle East right now would bother me so much if the U.S.'s stance on it wasn't so freaking trash. Yes. We took a very, you know, clear stance on like Russia should not be in Ukraine. Yes. We are not going to quote unquote get involved, but then we got very involved um, in making a stance on what side we supported. Um, and in my opinion, we are doing the right thing in helping. Nobody wants Russia to get any worse than what they are. I think we've thrown a lot of money over there. But I, you know, when I saw it, I was like, okay, this is this is the place where we should be. And then when this situation happened where Hamas bombed Israel, Israel decided now we finally have our chance to wipe you the hell out. Uh, and the U.S. was like, they got to do what they got to do. And then after they pretty much wiped them out, we're like, all right, guys, slow down. We want to make sure that that information is out there because the information about Ukraine is being put in the news. The information about what's happening in the Gaza Strip is not. not. Um, so just wanted to put that out there for context, too. Because we definitely were reporting on it, but I feel like that situation is happening the way that it should be happening, um, and people can hear about it and can read about it, and you just have to do so much investigative work to find out what's going on in Gaza. So, but again, we think our listeners are important, so it's good to know. Absolutely, and we appreciate the feedback. We really do. And shout out to Ukraine because they recently blew up uh a russia one of russia's most important warships um and i mean that that was a huge win for them especially since on in the back end even though putin is always shouting and raving how he's doing the right thing we're going to keep moving forward even though he's lose he's lost more than twenty thousand people um in the back end he's apparently talking about a ceasefire um, saying that he's cool with the territory he's gotten so far. Um, and, you know, he, he's really thinking about getting out of Ukraine. So, um, and, I, and I will say that Ukraine's resilience is, you know, is wonderful. I really do appreciate that country. I appreciate that country's president for the way he has stood against this. He's going to really cement his place in the in history and in, in the books. Um, so I, I do submit that, you know, um, I do recognize that you, you know, he got a lot of help and a lot of support. So it's real yeah. easy. It's real easy to look like a big dog when you got all the big dogs behind you. Um, but I do appreciate that country for standing up for their own. You had people who were, I mean, actors, uh, singers, uh, people who had like prominent jobs in America, Europe, G Germany, other places. They left and went back home as Ukrainians and fought for their country. So that, that was really good. And they were hailed as heroes, as they should have been. Absolutely. So uh, shout out to them again. You know, blowing up, again, blowing up that ship, it, it was really effective uh, for them. And um, to move on to... Uh, some I think that you know when it comes to these war this war stuff I, I'm a little bit scared you know there's a lot of moves happening around the country um that kind of worry me one of them is um uh, and this may not worry you guys as much but Iran and Russia decided to uh trade in national currency uh rather than use the U.S. dollar 
of course, Russia has been sanctioned uh, over and over again um, by Western countries uh, because of their acts in Ukraine. And so they have found ways and are looking for ways to try to keep their trade and keep their uh, their country in, uh, alive. And Iran and Russia's uh, head of their banks have decided to go ahead and train and trade in their own currency. Uh, what do you guys think about that? That sounds like the start of something very shady. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Because, um, I, I, you know, when you think about all of this stuff happening in Palestine and... Um, I feel like what we hear less about are the Middle Eastern countries that support Palestine um, and how they keep getting booted out of the conversation. And that um, for the terrorist group Hamas, I don't think that they organized all of this within just their own group. There was some outside influence and outside help. Um, and Iran has been kind of quiet. Yeah. Uh, and so it's kind of interesting to hear that there's some back end stuff going on with Russia, uh, because it sounds like they're trying to destabilize the U.S. dollar. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely linking up. Uh, this is obviously a power move. Uh, if you if you pay attention, like this is a, a, a massive chess game that's going on. Uh, so this is basically a move to to further uh, devalue the dollar. Uh, as you can see, the, the dollar has been decreasing in value over the past couple decades. Um, and this this is honestly going to make it worse. Well, they're trying to make it worse just so once the U.S., you know, what I'm saying just dethrone us from being number one is their goal right now so and this is a this is a great way of starting it off so i'm glad you described it as a chess game because in the game of chess where you're supposed to be 10 moves ahead of your opponent or at least planning three different strategies i think we're starting to see the plays play out on things that have been planned for a while um, and considering how dramatic everything is, because not for nothing, the war in, in Gaza kind of started to overshadow the war in Ukraine a little bit and made us forget that Russia decided out of nowhere that they needed a little bit more territory and they were starting shit. So we should just take a look at everything happening at once, because um, I definitely think there's a plan in the back end to kind of take everybody by surprise when we're all tripped up and we spent a bunch of money helping other people. Yeah. And if you, if you play close attention, uh, the uh, ruler of China also said in his new year's speech that he plans on reuniting China with Taiwan, which is currently under U S control. So, which would be a, a in crazy move if they happen to retake Taiwan back with, it would be uh really interesting. Oh yeah, they're circling it right now. They keep on uh and then we had to actually send out like uh you know some ships to Taiwan yeah. just to try to like protect Let them know like we here, yeah. But what do you I mean, oh, I'm no. I'm worried about that. What do you think um was gonna happen? Because I feel like Well, it's so the U.S. basically owns Taiwan, so they own it specifically so they can control, well, not control, but this so they can monitor 
the open the, island, the Pacific right. Island. Exactly. So if China yes. takes over Taiwan, they have automatic access to that to that part of like the ocean, right? Which right. then they can cut off a lot of other people and they can do a whole lot of other stuff, right? With us being there, it's like, all right, y'all can't do no shady shit. Like we all here and try something. The reason China as of right now is not doing anything is because they know once they make one attempt, that's an automatic uh declaration of war at that point. So it's like if you're gonna make that move, then you gotta be ready for what's backing it up. And I promise you, if Trump is in office when this happened, it's going down. Oh, that's bad. That's also and also we all know that like Russia and China are in cahoots mm -hmm. and Russia and China have lost some territory that they want back. Putin is just a little bit more obvious and aggressive about who he is and what he wants. China's like chilling in the back, like, no, you don't need to worry about us. Um, but yeah, they took, if they made any aggressive act about Taiwan agreed, they'd be putting their intentions out there and they can't undo that. But I have a feeling they're waiting for a moment when they can do it and then it's done. Right. That's concerning. But Trump and Putin are friends. Yeah. Well, so I'm talking about we talk about Taiwan, right? So the whole the whole China thing. But yeah, Trump and uh, no, what I'm saying, okay, but what I'm saying is Putin, Russia and China are friends. Yeah. Right. Right. Trump and Putin are friends. So if Trump is in office, wouldn't he more likely allow this to take place? Rather than it be a war, he definitely Trump's ego is way too big for him to be like, I lost, I lost a a part of uh, a territory. America's, yeah, American territory. Like hell no, he wouldn't want that on his resume. But if what he, conversations have happened he would in the talk, back? Yeah, if anything, he would talk to him, and be like, "Yo, talk, talk, talk to your man's." So because Trump is no friend look, to China. Right, exactly. So it might help us out to where it's like, all right, he could probably like hold it off for a bit, but I don't know. We'll see. And that that actually is a strange dynamic that I think people should just keep eyes on, because Trump is friends with Putin, Putin is friends with China. We're not friends with China, but we're also not friends with a lot of people. Hmm. Um, and I do believe while Trump was in presidency and in charge of the country. It does seem that Russia and China kept slipping a little bit farther and farther to the head of the race. Um, yep, yep. Where other countries that we were allies with um, were slipping off of the leaders of the free world map, including ourselves. Um, and and, and I they think distanced themselves from us. They distanced themselves from us. We started strengthening our relationship with Israel. Um, and I just think it's interesting and we should probably look past the obvious stuff and look toward things like what kind of products and stocks are in Russia and China that would benefit Trump and his and his constituents. Um, and we have to try to put that shit out there because people need to know why they have to get out there and vote him out. But then there's also the fact that he is currently being contested on many ballots, um, including Maine, um, and now the Supreme Court is actually meeting to decide whether or not he can be left off of these ballots. Um, but there's at least seven states that have him off the ballot. 
And I'm, I don't even know what that looks like because if he's on the ballot in New Jersey but off the ballot in Pennsylvania, I mean, how can he count at all? Should we? Maybe we should just talk about that now because that's one of our segments. Oh well, right. I mean, yeah, might as well. Sorry, Guru. Go ahead. I I I put you into your topic. Definitely did. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so Colorado Supreme Court, uh, by a forty-three vote, uh, ruled last month that Trump should not be on the Republican primary ballot. Uh, the, the decision was the first time in the 14th Amendment uh, was used to bar a presidential contender from ballot. Um, Trump is separately appealing uh, to a state court, a ruling by Maine's Democratic Secretary of State, uh, that he was ineligible to appear on the state's ballot over his role in the Capitol riot. Uh, both Colorado Supreme Court and Maine Secretary of State's ruling are on hold until the uh, appeal plays out. So uh, the the big boys, the official top, top, top Supreme Court uh, said Friday that they will decide whether uh, Trump can be kept off a ballot because of his efforts to overturn the 2020 election and uh, the Capitol riot. Uh, the justices acknowledged uh, the need to reach a decision quickly as voters will soon be casting presidential primary ballots across the uh, country. Uh, the court agreed to take up Trump's appeal of a case uh, in the events of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Hmm. So, yeah, he's not he's not going to be taken. He's not. There's no way they're going to be. Able, the Supreme Court's going to be like, yeah, no, do that. So once it is, he owns the Supreme Court. So I think this was a good effort, but once it hits the Supreme Court, they're going to put him back on the ballot. I mean, but it, I mean, how can you look at what happened? I mean, because it's already been determined that he definitely started this insurrection. He tried to he tried to get a coup on the, uh, on the American government. Right. Hasn't this already been proven? And this is why he has 92 counts against him almost. I think that's one of the things that's still in court. Okay, so he hasn't been found guilty yet. Yeah, he's been charged. Um, and I think that's one of the things that they're like, if it if he's proven guilty for an insurrection, like what happens after that? Right, but uh, a, a, a trial could be delayed until 2026, right? Yeah. So once somebody is president, see, I'm like, I got time for this bullshit. We know how this stuff works. Yep. yep. Right? It's a waiting game. So once somebody is president, it's you can't really do much until after their presidency. He's already in power. They, I don't feel like if if you have something against you, I mean, uh, a pending case against you in which you try to overturn the American government, you should be allowed on the presidential ballot. I agree. Um, and also, if you were to be found guilty of something. Your vice president can just pardon you. And now you're not, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, I think that if enough states get together to take him off of the ballot, because at this point we're already in 2024 and part of that waiting game lasts into election time, 
it could be a really good tactic, but I, you know, the Supreme Court moves very quickly when they want to and very slowly when they want to. And I'm not confident that that tactic will last long enough for it to affect elections. I'm not here for this going to the Supreme Court. Because you guys are right. Um, it's going to be overturned. I mean, the way that they overturned overturned over turned abortions being a state situation and not a federal situation and a very quick decision um, does not give me a lot of hope uh, because it seems like the federal, the Supreme Court is all four things being state decisions, but I bet this one is going to be decided that this is a federal decision and they can't do it. Listen, nobody's going to be stopping the inevitable, okay? Trump 2024, get on. Don't put that out there. Day. Don't put that. Don't put that out there. That's honestly. Be, I can't wait I, for the. I can't wait for the slogan. It's gonna be like you either with us or get either. Yeah, that sounds about right. Out the way it sounds great. Because honestly, if he had won in twenty twenty, I was prepared. I was prepared for the revolution. But mm. we were already fired up in twenty twenty. They gave us four years to get comfortable again. My thing is, you know, what I'm saying at what point. Some so and I and I feel like this happens in any aspect, right? There's a breaking point. So clearly we ain't hit that breaking point, right? Maybe, maybe Trump will push us to like reverse migrate. You know what I'm saying? That's what I was saying. I think we had gotten close to that breaking point. People were very fired up and feeling very passionate about how horribly things were going. And then we had four years to get comfortable again. And I feel like we're not gonna start off with where we left off. Like we've backed up a little bit. Yeah, but I honestly feel like we need to start off with the same energy we had in 2019. We, you remember who he was? The only good thing we got out of it was some stimmies. Grab him by the pussy. Oh God! Best <laughs> quote, best presidential quote in, in history. Easy. Not fool me once. Nope. Shame on me. <laughs> fool me we twice. Just, we just grab him by the pussy. You never fool me again. <laughs> I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of presidential candidates, Nikki Haley, she was talking about the Civil War. Now, you and I, we all went to school. And even though the books tried to change the way it really went down, we know exactly what the Civil War was about and why it took place. But Nikki Haley almost refused to acknowledge the reason the Civil War took place. Um, what was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm sorry? I'm not running for president. I want to see your view on the cause of the Civil War. I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government. We need to have capitalism. We need to have economic freedom. We need to make sure that we do all things so that individuals have the liberties so that they can have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do or be anything they want to be without government getting in the way. Thank you. And then, and we 
What do you want me to say about slavery? Very interesting. So just in case, you know, you couldn't hear it, it the, the uh, man said in the year 2023, it's astonishing to me that you answer that question without mentioning the word slavery. And he also asked her that question because I think she was asked a question about slavery or the Civil War when she was running for governor, uh, South, uh, yeah, governor of South Carolina. And uh, it was a very uh, similar uh, answer. She referred to the Civil War as a fight between tradition and change. So if you, so... There was actually uh, another uh, town hall meeting that she had most recently where uh, the former South Carolina governor was asked by attendee at a town hall uh, last month about the cause of the war. She said, uh, and she made no mention of slavery after the widespread pushback uh, from both sides of the aisle. She acknowledged that civil war was about slavery and that it was a mistake to omit the fact uh, from her initial answer. She also went on to say, if you grew up in South Carolina, literally in second and third grade, you learn about slavery. You grow up, you have, you know, I had black friends growing up. It's very, it's very talked about thing. We have a big history in South Carolina when it comes to, you know, slavery, when it comes to all the things that happened with the Civil War, all of that, end quote. So this is now the second time I'm listening to her answers. <laughs> and aside from this whole thing being very concerning, if you actually listen to her answers and she says, I think what it's all, it's about what it's always about. It's about the role of government. It's about the fact that we need capitalism. It's about the fact that the American people need to be able to do what they want to be able to do without, without government getting in the way. And then what you just said, Guru, like listening to it a little bit deeper than the you omitted slavery thing, she sounds like a menace. She's a complete menace. She is refusing. She is flat out refusing to acknowledge like that slavery. And see, this is this is the danger of the Republican Party that you're dealing with in 2024. This is the danger because these people are so I don't know I don't know if it's a internalized guilt or if they are like like what do you guys think it is are they just that guilty that it's like because some people are so guilty that they bottle it all in and they just refuse to acknowledge the damage that's done uh, I, or, I don't even think I don't even think that's the case with this I think this is more of like and because I've met people like this right there's people that, because I've brought up, I've had discussion with coworkers about like Tulsa and everything. And their first, their first response is like, oh, that happened so long ago. And it's like, uh, okay. First off, Tulsa wasn't even that long. I was like, I was like, no, it wasn't. Was, I was like, your grandmother was alive for that. And yep. then she, she was like, oh, 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 she backed up their statement. But it's just like that's that's the mind, <laughs> that's the mindset, right? Right. It's like, hey, this is like an old thing. Like, it's like one of those things. Like, yeah, yeah, we know we messed up, but we don't, we don't talk about it anymore. Like, that's that's basically what's what's going on with this. 
and a lack of accountability um because nobody's saying that any generation of white people today started it we're saying that you benefit from the system that was started back then and it's almost like a repellent like i don't want to acknowledge my privilege so i just don't want to talk about it because if we really have a an, an intelligent discourse about it you're going to prove that you're right so i just don't want to talk about it and let's just omit the parts that make me feel bad or make me feel like you're trying to make me feel bad instead of just you're presenting facts that you actually feel bad about. Okay. Um, yeah. I guess I do understand. It. I guess I hear what you guys are saying. It's just that it's mind boggling to me. Um, and, you know, it's it's crazy to me to just look through like education because it's not like we don't sit here and tell you every day what's wrong. I mean, this man just sat here and told you like it's crazy to me that you wouldn't even put slavery in that conversation. And we asked you this question six years ago uh, or, or when you served six years as a governor and you still don't get it. You know, that was the point. You were asked a question about it already and you still didn't and do, didn't do the right thing by everyone. So it's like, I, I, again, it's just, it's crazy how you refuse to just acknowledge history for what it is and just uh, own it, especially when you're trying to be such a public figure and have such a high uh, position of power. Of course, she's never going to be president of the United States, but it's just interesting to me. I mean, never say never. I would have said that about Trump in his early presidential campaign. Well, that's true. That's true. But I mean, I don't know if she can beat Trump in that primary. Yeah. I mean, she is second right now. That is true. But if she beats Trump, then I would be so, I would be so, you know, I wouldn't be so quick to say it. Every time we talk about the 2024 campaign and their candidates, it just makes me so sad. <laughs> I'm not excited about anybody. Yeah. Not in a good way. Oh, okay. Well, I have a lighter topic. Um, so if uh, any of you are moviegoers, um, I wonder if you've seen The Color Purple. I, I saw it on opening day Yep. Phoebe saw it too. Uh, <laughs> a little delayed. Um, <laughs> but I am I am a huge Color Purple fan. So let me preface everything I'm about to say with that. I've read the book. I am very into the uh, Steven Spielberg version. I saw the play on Broadway, uh, but was excited and a little hesitant to see what they were going to come up with as the screenplay version of um, merging the book and the play. Um, so it came out on Christmas Day um, and combined some of the best aspects of the stage hit and the most uh, famous version of the movie. So The Color Purple is about a young woman named Celie, and we follow her from about age 14 when she lives with her father and her younger sister. Um, she's really close to her younger sister. Her father is abusive. Uh, we walk into the movie where she's having her second child by her father. Um, she gets married off to this character named Mister, who also uh, abuses her sexually, physically, mentally um, throughout their entire marriage. And then she's separated from her sister soon after the marriage and kind of goes through life 
with nobody to love her, um, but meets a very vivacious daughter-in-law, um, has a love story with Mr.'s lover. So that we got that love triangle going on. And it's really her coming of age story where she finds herself and gains her confidence and really becomes a woman that's comfortable in her own skin. Um, and it's a great story. I give it all the kudos, but what I find most interesting is that some people did not seem to know that this story involved a lesbian love story between Suge and Celie, um, which was really central to the story in the book, um, was sh showcased in the movie and has never been shied away from, but somehow I'm hearing reviews that people were stupid. walking out of the theater because they didn't know. Booty is stupid. You know he's stupid. You know he don't read. You know he don't right. read. You're right. He definitely didn't read the book. So you know he doesn't understand that. And he most likely definitely didn't watch the original Color Purple. Yeah. So he's a dumbass. I also just, what bothers me is it's kind of like, oh, we're pushing this agenda. This book was written in 1982. So the, mm -hmm. the, the core story was already there 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, people keep acting like the LGBTQ community is new. They're not. Um, they've been around as long as people have yeah. been around. And I find it very disturbing if you watch the story about incest, rape, domestic violence, the major PTSD that Black women were enduring soon after slavery. And your issue was the love that was exchanged between two women. Wasn't that this 14-year-old this was pregnant with her second child by her father? Her father. Wasn't the fact that she was being raped by her husband, beat by her husband, um, downgraded by her husband, that when her sister moved in, he tried to rape her little sister too. And the reason her sister moved in was because her father started trying to rape her. It was Steely and Suge having a love relationship. Something's wrong about that. Yeah, like what you were saying was absolutely correct. Like something is definitely wrong with people. You know, like, I, I don't know. It's something about people who have um, that type of mindset where, oh, okay, I'm used to Father John at the church uh, touching up on boys and girls. It's been happening for all these years. Oh, okay, I'm used to my mom getting beat or mothers getting beat by fathers and stuff like that. I've been seeing it all this time. Oh, okay, but I've been seeing like 14-year-old. Yeah, well, my great-great-great-grandmother, she was 14 when she had her own, her, her, her mm -hmm. first baby. But you so worried about what the fuck I'm doing with my dick or my ass. Like, it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And Bootsy is one of those people who literally paid strippers and prostitutes to come and have sex with his with his son, son who was like eleven or something like that. He was a baby. Yeah, his coming of his coming of age. You should be in jail. And outed his daughter on social media for acting like a hoe. Uh, he is super problematic, and also. It didn't seem to have an issue with the fact that Mr. brought his mistress into his home to stay there with his wife. Of course not. But he had, people got an issue that his wife started liking his mistress. 
listen, the boots the reason that Bootsy only responds so heavily to gay stuff. Bootsy, 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 not Bootsy. Bootsy, Bootsy. The reason that punk ass only responds <laughs> to gay stuff is because he's gay. I'm telling you, he has some serious like internal demons that he's dealing with. Yo, he's currently going back and forth, well, was going back and forth with T.S. Madison on the uh, uh, internet, like on Twitter, uh, where she was telling him that, like, you know what I'm saying? You really are struggling right there. She was saying the same thing you were saying, Morgan, like you, 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 um, you ignore all of the traumatic, emotional and mm-hmm. disturbing things happening. To focus on the fact that there's a, a story saying this movie is pushing an agenda that the book pushed in 1982. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Also, I think people need to just accept the concept of live and let live. Um, there are people that are different than you that exist that exist in the world. Nobody's coming for your manhood. You compromise your manhood every day when you get on the internet and start talking crazy. Let it go. As Wanda Sykes said, if you don't like women marrying women, then don't be a woman that marries women. Just let it go. Yeah. Also, do some research on movies before you go see them because you sound stupid going to see The Color Purple and didn't even know what it was about. Yes. So also about The Color Purple, first of all, I have the book right here in front of me. So when I was a kid, I read the book without context because when I was a kid, I used to read really slow and the words, the way that this book read, you know, I didn't understand the words. I really didn't understand what a lesbian relationship looked like. You know, like when she said that uh, Suge made her pussy jump, you know, I didn't really know what that meant, you know, but I noticed that the the original movie um, left a lot out. You know, and even even the play left a lot out. And I really did like the fact, because I didn't watch the, the Broadway play, I really did like the fact that the play, uh, the movie, you know, was a spin on the play and that I just went into the movie theater or like, okay, forget what you know about the movie, the original mm-hmm. movie, just go in to see what they're going to do with this book. And um, they really did tie certain pieces of the book together. For example, um, at the end of the book, Suge and, I mean, Celie and Mr. do become friends. And he actually is involved in her life. And they brought that back in the play, which was not something that took place in the movie itself. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, it was just um, a lot that was just different. But I also noticed because I'm rereading the book, that's just how much it got me really into it. I, I was like, let me buy it because I had to buy I, I don't remember where the old one is. And um, there's a lot of characters that everybody left out of it. Like, for example, Mr. had sisters and sister-in-laws and stuff like that. and uh, The relationship between Sophia and Celie, you know, it was much closer uh, than what the movie and the play portrays. Yes. And I think the the new movie and the play were a little bit better at explaining that there was a relationship because you couldn't really tell that in the Steven Spielberg version at all. 
That's right. Um, but one of the reasons why when Sophia gives her famous speech during the dinner scene where she says, like, when you came to the jail cell, Celia used to be visiting her every week. Yeah. Um, and when she got out of jail and was forcefully employed by the mayor's wife, Miss Millie, Celia would, you know, still go see her. She'd see and her in the general her. store. She yes. was always there for her. She was helping raise her kids. Like Celia and, and Sophia really were when Suge wasn't around. Sophia was the closest person she had to a friend. That's right. That's right. She was there with her. She was the person that she did all her sewing with. You know, she helped her out with everything. They they laughed. They cried. They talked about that sorry ass Harpo. Like they they oh, had such a good relationship. Mm -hmm. Another problem I had, right? If you read the book, Suge Avery was as black as Harpo. Yep. She was supposed to be she was supposed to be black as tar and skinny, right? Yes. Why? Now they got the skinny part right. But I just feel like they did a disservice to Alice Walker by being those white producers who said it's no way that a black woman could play the role of Suge Avery and actually be a pretty woman. I mean, I I do feel like that's what's essentially happened because I don't feel like, I do feel like that woman did Suge Avery a, a great, she did her great. She did a great job, but I do feel like they could have done that better by casting it the way Alice Walker pictured it. I agree with that. And I, I thought about that when I saw the second version of it, because I had to remember the descriptions of the characters from the book, which I think everybody else was pretty spot on, um, which is interesting because they made an effort for everybody else mm -hmm. um, that they just didn't feel like they could put this woman on stage. That's dark skin and beautiful and has sex appeal and has everybody running after her. Which is just not true. I know so many women that could have played that role. Mm-hmm. Even back then, I'm thinking like, okay, well, you could have got her to play this woman to play Sugar Gary, this woman to play Sugar Gary. Why? The person in the book, the the person that they describe in the book actually kind of reminds me of like a Grace Jones, like her kind of look. Yes. Um. Yes, but woman. I agree with you. I think that was a intentional. Even though I love the original actress that played Sugar Avery, I do yes. think that was intentional that they did not pick a dark skinned woman purposely. Yes, I I really do feel like that was white producers and directors saying, you have to you have to lighten the skin in order for the woman to be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Actually, when I'm thinking about the characters that played in the movie, the only light skinned people, other people in the movie were Squeak, who was supposed to be mixed, so that yeah. made sense. Mm -hmm. Suge's new husband. Who was supposed yeah. to be Panamanian, I believe, and he was light skinned with wavy hair, so that made sense. There weren't really any other light skinned characters. Even Hallie, who played um, Nettie in the movie, was dark skinned like Celie was in the original movie and in the book. Correct. And I'm sorry, I could have done without Haley, and I could have done without Sierra. I was waiting for you to say something about Sierra's five minute cameo. <laughs> oh, Sierra was in this? She played older yeah. Nettie. Steep child. And I feel like they went for Sierra because since the main Nettie character that you saw was Hallie, they had to pick somebody 
that could be an older Hallie. Like they even they even gave Sierra Hallie's mole that she has on her forehead. Um, and is she a good actor? I didn't see uh Sierra or Hallie. Who's the other movie she was in? The Little she Mermaid. Was, she was Little Mermaid. She was. I mean, she was okay. I mean, she was like to me just hyped up to be the Little Mermaid. That was so it was like you know, but she was she was all right. I really didn't appreciate her character as Nettie. I just thought that first of all, Nettie was a black woman. Nettie was black as as Sealy. So why why do we have this light skinned woman playing Nettie? That's one. Two. I just didn't think Haley sold it to me. You know what I'm saying? She just didn't sell that strong, confident Nettie character. I don't know. What did you think, Morgan? I, it was like a new version of Nettie. Um, I think that the woman that played young Seely, um, Felicia Pearl Mapazi, sold to me the Seely that was in the book. Yes. To me, Nettie, like Halle Bailey almost like made her own version of Nettie, who was supposed to be a much more like commanding, um, confident character than Celie's yeah. character was. Yes. But mm, she was almost like sassy. More yeah. so than I would have pictured the Nettie to be. So again, I also walked into the theater kind of like, let me let go of all the other versions of the color purple that that I know. Because I honestly was a little bit disappointed by the play because I expected it to follow the movie, but it followed the book. Um. So I do think they did a really good job of merging all the best parts, but Hallie's part wasn't my favorite part. I don't think it was a lack of, I don't know if it was the script or it was her acting, but um, I wasn't so excited about Hallie's part. I was pleasantly surprised by Taraji's part because I, when they said Taraji was playing Suge, I'm like, oh man. Um, Because again, I compare everything to the movie, but I was actually pleasantly surprised with how she interpreted Suge, and I thought she did a good job. Um, Which I'm reading um, Roger Roger Ebert's version, and he said he basically liked everything and everybody in the movie except Taraji playing Suge. But I think that she did a good job joining who the character was in the book with who the character was in the movie. Who's an over-the-top confident woman who had a lot of insecurities that she covered up um and was able to display that but yeah Hallie's character wasn't my favorite yeah the era threw me off big yeah. time because Hallie is like five foot three Sierra like six foot seven mm-hmm. and she had on little princess heels and that threw me off but um yeah yeah everybody else I feel like they got casting right but Hallie can sing, and she sang the hell out of her part. And and I and I understand that, you know, we, we it was uh supposed to be based off the play, the Broadway play. But you're in a theater at this point. You're in a cinematic presentation at this point. I feel like they should have done the big scenes, like maybe God is trying to tell you something. Should couldn't say shave Mister. You know, those were big, powerful scenes. Why not merge them with that play rendition since you're about to put it in another movie? You know what I mean? Yeah, they they had, yeah, see, they really downplayed the God is trying to tell you something section. Oh, man. 
because I was really. excited for that, but it was just Taraji walking in. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> it was just Taraji walking in and talking to her father one-on-one instead of coming in with like everybody from the juke joint singing behind her and the choir was singing and then they came together, which was an awesome scene yes. from the Steven Spielberg version. Um, yes. But yeah, and also the way that they, they did the timeline a little bit different so they couldn't even do the shavings, the scene. Because Celie was reading the letters while uh, Suge was in Tennessee, which isn't what happened in the movie. Right. So, um, yeah, I, 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 that's another iconic scene. Well, no, no. Uh, oh, no, yeah. No, Suge was there. She was there. She was just letting her read at, at mm-hmm. days of time. Yeah. So it was just, it was a lot. And then even when Suge sang, um, you know, um, sister, you've been on my mind. She didn't mm-hmm. sing it. She sang that in the juke joint in the yeah, movie. yeah. You know, he didn't do that. She did that when they had already left uh, Harpo. And to me, it's not as effective when they had already left Harpo. I agree. I agree because you know? that was kind of like the intro to their love story. Yeah, the Steven Spielberg version where it was like. There was nobody that loved Celie until she yes. came along. And I see you, you know, like mm-hmm. she was like, because Celie was so just down and depressed in that juke joint. And mm-hmm. she was like, this song is for you, Miss Celie. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just, you. I didn't get that power. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't, you know, but it was nice. It was nice. I really did like it, though. It does not top Steven Spielberg's version for me, but no. I enjoyed it a lot. Yes. Yes. In fact, I came home and turned on Steven Spielberg's. Oh, uh, we watched it right before we left. Oh yeah, I turned it on right after, just because I was like, "Oh, I gotta see it now." So, yeah. Uh, but we are. We have to get to uh, some uh, other great topics. Uh, one specifically that we don't want to run too close out of time for. So, what are we talking about next? So, keeping on the topic of Taraji. Um, if you've been listening to the news, been on social media, you probably heard that Taraji has not been happy with her pay, mm. uh, in her acting roles for sounds like about the last decade. Mm. Um, she actually said she almost had to walk away from the color purple, um, because the pay wasn't exactly where she wanted it to be, but she thought that this was such an iconic role that she needed to be involved anyway. But all of this came out while they were doing promo for the movie um, and they they brought that question up and Taraji actually got a little uh, emotional and got teary eyed and pretty much said that she has not gotten a raise since Proud Mary, um, which happened in 2018. Um, Taraji got her first big, I guess, crossover film role with Benjamin Button, which she won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Um, but she was not paid big money for that movie. And that's okay because she was not the lead. She was not, people didn't really know her. But normally after you get an Oscar, the roles are just pouring in after that. And they're pouring in with money because now your resume says you're an Oscar winning actor or actress. Um, She said she really didn't feel like she got what she was worth until uh, Tyler Perry paid her a million dollars for her role in um, I Can Do Bad All By Myself. Actually, it was 500,000. It was 500,000. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. 
Um, and she said that usually you make money, your your movie is successful, you make more money on the next movie. She's also explained all of the things that go into having a team of people to keep up your image, your dress, your management team. Um, and after Uncle Sam takes his cut out of your check, you pay everybody after your after taxes check. And there often isn't much left over considering how big the check was to begin with. Um, so she said she has to constantly work to keep money coming. She was a single mom. She was raising her son. He, she was paying for private school. And she kind of thought when she got to a black written, black, black produced movie, like The Color Purple, that wouldn't be an issue. But it still was. Um, and she said she did this and she's taking a stand now um, for the black women coming behind her. Like Danielle Brooks and um, Fantasia and Hallie are all new to film. And she felt like she needed to take a stand. Um, so now what are everybody's thoughts on that? Because it seemed like everybody was very sympathetic to Taraji. Monique was telling the same tale years ago mm -hmm. and she got blackballed. Mm -hmm. um, what are everybody's thoughts on that? I just think it's so interesting that it's the same person who blackballed Moni that's now dealing with Taraji. And it's funny that after working with that bitch, Oprah, um, Taraji is now deciding to take the stand. So it's so funny that after Black women in power who have been getting mistreated in the industry all these years, after they work with Oprah directly, um, they start to feel this way. I do find that very interesting. I also find it very interesting that many people who spoke out against Monique or said that Monique was going about it the wrong way. Like, what other fucking way are you supposed to do this other than to actually speak out and get people to actually step in support of you? People were saying that she should have done it, um, thought about uh, Steve Harvey said, oh, it's the money game. You should have thought about the money. And she told him, I would rather have my integrity. And I really do feel like most people in this world lack integrity. Especially I mean, it all, I guess it all comes down to like, what's your what's your breaking point, right? How How far are you willing to bend? That's how it's always been, right? It's like, all right. At one, everybody has a number, right? That's just a that's just a fact. Everybody has a number. Two, uh, are you willing to bend to to make to make ends meet, right? Like, so if you're in a tough time, I can probably get you to do this for like this amount of money, or you know, what I'm saying I could probably get you to cut a deal just to like do it another way. You know but what I'm saying? Worse, but it's worse than that, David, because when Monique wasn't willing to bend. They actually cut off her resources in like indefinitely. Okay, yeah, no, that's for sure. They like they cut her off. Like they even had to apologize uh, later, later down the line for like, yeah, nah, we definitely blackballed the fuck out of you. Yep. I do want to point out that a major difference between the way Monique handled this and Taraji handled it is Taraji complained about her pay while doing that tour that Monique refused to do with the promo tour. Um, Monique was saying very similarly like because of the fact that i gotta pay all these people because you're not providing me with yes. a makeup and hair team or um a wardrobe team and i'm paying for that and i got kids at home not only am i not taking that money out of pocket but that's not what my contract said my contract wasn't talking about promo where um 
we now know that many contracts don't. It's kind of like an understood, assumed thing. Um, and I think that personally, I think that's one of the reasons why they didn't come at Taraji's neck the way they did Monique. Um, I also think Monique decided to really just have, I can't even call it a Cat Williams moment because she was having cat, she was having these moments. It was more like Cat Williams had a Monique moment. Um, but she decided I'm gonna just start telling the truth about people and you can feel however about it that you feel about it. I'm open to a discussion and people didn't like what she had to say. Um, not for nothing, Monique is a plus size dark skinned black woman and Taraji is not. Um, there are a lot of things that I think you got to put into context, but I I think Monique decided to put her foot down and she was aware of what the consequences may be. I think she expected more of her people to back her and they didn't. It was her people that blackballed her. Um, I really didn't appreciate the fact that they kept, when she was comparing, you know, what other comedians were making for their specials and, and people were like, oh, well, nah, Monique is top of her game comedian. If there was anybody that should have been paid big money for a special, it should have been Monique. She's hilarious. Um, it's unfortunate, but I think a lot has to do with the way that you look, the way that people take the message that you're putting out. However, on the Oprah point. Yeah, I don't understand the Oprah hate. Yeah. You know, okay, so Oprah said something that rubbed me the wrong way. That's, um, num that's crazy, Dave. Number one, um, after all of this, like, Twitter buzz that Taraji got, she did later post, um, you know, all it took was a phone call and all is well, meaning pretty much Oprah reached out to her afterwards and they came up with a resolution. Um, but I really feel like that was just because Oprah was getting so much bad press. Um, number two, which was total shade, she was on Gail's show and she said, um, you know, I only made $35,000 when I did The Color Purple. I would have done it for nothing. You were not an Oscar winning actress. You were a, this is my first movie actress. So you made $35,000 in 19, what, 87? Um, I don't think you should be comparing yourself to Taraji. Your resumes don't look anything alike. And that was shaded Taraji. So I would have done it for nothing. Taraji shouldn't be doing any movies for nothing. She's worth more than that. She's not doing movies for clout. She's an actress. She should be paid as an award, uh, a, an Oscar award-winning actress who has been in a multitude of movies. Oprah was a journalist and a TV show host. They were not coming in with the same credentials. So that was real shady to me. Oprah's a piece of shit. She's always been a piece of shit. And she's definitely a piece of shit toward Black people. Especially oh, yeah. these black actresses and actresses, actresses, like, and I just don't see how people don't, I don't like, like David don't get that. Like, I, I mean, you don't see what's show, happening. Just, you just got to send it to me. What I just heard just now is that Oprah handled the business. She got shit right. That's what I just heard from what Morgan just said. I want you to think about something. Taraji said, no, Danielle said that they didn't have, they didn't provide like dressing rooms for them, for the actors and actresses on The Color Purple. Taraji said they had to uh, rent cars. They wanted them to rent cars every day on, out of their own pocket, not let the studio would pay for to get to work every day. 
That's kind of messy. Um, to, now, Taraji had to stand up for everybody. Taraji did a Monique. Let's call it what it was. Taraji did a Monique and stood up for everybody. And then Oprah stepped in. But David, let me ask you something. Was not was Oprah not at the head of this whole operation before Taraji stepped in? Or did Taraji have to call Oprah and say, girl, let me tell you what they're doing over here at the color purple? No. She is the color purple when it comes to that. Why did Taraji have to step in and tell her to give her the things that she would get off the top of her, off the top of anything? And you can't tell me she wouldn't have gave it to a white actress. This is this is Oprah's movie. Yeah, this is definitely yes. this you, came from um I believe this came from Harpo Studios. Yes. And Oprah is the biggest producer and was the one that got this started. Oh, Oprah yeah. put it on Broadway. But I'm saying she let her know and she fixed it. You got it. She only fixed it because she, they were coming for her neck. Exactly. People Why did she have to let her neck. know that? Because because if it was a white act, if it was Jennifer Anderson or some bitch that Oprah wanted to please, see, all that stuff would have been standard. See, that's why it's being talked about on the press right now. Because it's not something they should have to talk about. It's standard for these other actors and actresses. And she would have had that done. Why is it that your black folks, you didn't have that done for? Why does somebody have to tell you, yo, Oprah, what's going on? Why did Taraji have to pull you to the side and say, my, my girl, why are we not being treated the same way? And all you see is, oh, but she fixed it. I mean, I don't think she's the sole, you know what I'm saying, sole reason of all of that. But yeah, Oprah has a big, she has a big, uh, she has a big say in things so she can make things happen. But you know what I'm saying? Closed mouths don't get fed. Like if you don't say nothing, how she, how is Oprah She wasn't closed to... mouth. That was the whole point of this, is she was not closed mouth. Well, yeah, I know. That's how it got fixed. No, no. I mean, like in the initial planning stages of this, she was not closed mouth. She was open about what she wanted. They pretty much told her no. She said, I'm not going to let this opportunity pass me by because this is an iconic role that's only going to oh. come once in a lifetime. And I want to be a part of this. So exactly, um, this goes back to what I said at the beginning. How much are you willing to bend? How much are you willing to bend? And she clearly bent for this role. Well, I, honestly, I think this was kind of strategy, too. Yeah. She did it. She got involved. Then when she was in front of cameras, she said what she had to say. It worked out in her favor. I don't know if it worked out. I don't know how much anybody else got paid. Taraji was definitely the um, senior actress on set. Um, but I think a lot of her point is like, damn, you're going to do me like this, too. Like, you're a black woman out here. You know how they treat us already. Exactly. And you're going to do us like this, too. Because Oprah did say that there was a rather small budget for this movie because it was kind of like an independent film kind of thing they didn't have a big budget she even made some other kind of comment where they were like oh she said something to the effect of the reason there's not a rihanna or or a beyonce in this movie is because when you see certain budgets you already know from the get-go there's not going to be a rihanna or a beyonce which i think was insulting to say to begin with yep. um because neither rihanna or beyonce are actresses so why would you even bring them up um but it shouldn't be about I'm I'm putting an actor or actress in the movie because they're going to pull in people. It should be about talent. Um, and it, aside from the paycheck of the actors and actresses, 
saying we didn't have dressing rooms and we we were required to get our own transportation to and from set and some of the other things that do come pretty standard with a movie deal. Um, like this is we with, know with, this is with the movie the the new movie. Yes, that's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty standard. And I do I for some reason I just feel like they wouldn't have done white people that way. They wouldn't have. No, yeah, they I agree. Wouldn't with that. have. And this Oprah, and Oprah wouldn't have done that. And that's the point. Like, bitch, when are you going to actually stick take up for black people? When you gonna get black? And that's why that's why Monique don't like that bitch. Oprah is sneaky and shady. And now she wants to have a sit down or recently had a sit down with Taraji um, because Taraji was out there telling her like it was. And now Oprah is basically, you know, she had to have that sit down with her to basically say, you know, like, yo, you ain't talking about me, right? You going to spend this story, right? We, we about to spend. I can't wait to see it, to see how they spent the story. And the movie did well in the theaters. Yeah. 18 million. The movie made money. Yeah. So where's that money going back to? Since it seems like everybody got a set check instead of like we make it as the movie makes money. Where's the money going back to? Hmm. Oprah. Well, I've been I've been telling y'all for years. She ain't shit. Oh I think Oprah's done a lot for the black community, but this was messy. Yeah, she's done a lot of um uh tax write-offs. She has. And I do believe as a black woman, I, I expected more out of her for this. It was almost like you exploiting us like everybody else is. Not almost. That's that's what it sounded like. Mm-hmm. She that's she not. she is the biggest name in there that could have come in because you know Oprah's a control freak. She knows how much everybody's getting for everything. She has her fingers in everything. You know it. Um, how how much are we paying my ladies? Nah, that's not enough. Even I if mean, we don't do everybody else, because everybody else is coming in as a new actress. Don't do Taraji like that. Right. Don't do Taraji like that and don't do Fantasia like that. Don't do Danielle like that. Danielle is becoming an accomplished actress. So if y'all was trying to give Danielle 50 grand, yo, give my girl 500,000. And if you're trying to give Taraji $500,000, you need to be giving Taraji 5 million. And if I got got a couple mil. Absolutely. And if I got to write it out my pocket because I'm Oprah Winfrey and I'm worth billions, I'll do it. Or we're going to go out here and do what most people do, which is do some more do what producers do. Go find some more funds. People were excited about this movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely shocked at the whole, like, living conditions, honestly, for a, a 2020... Was this, They recorded it last year, right? So, like, 2022, 2023 movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, nah, that's wild. But, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm always going to be pro-Oprah. There's a lot of stuff that people don't see that she does that you know what I'm saying? I've seen firsthand, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, so she was writing checks to Benedict's? Nah, not even. Like, no. she doesn't. <laughs> you funny. So, she helps a lot of people out, like, personally. Like, she has a, she has a, uh, they're called like, well, they're like her, their children. She's like her children. Like, so, like, she helps a lot of people, like, get through school. She's very personable. Uh, That's so. a tax write off. I agree with that. I really I do agree I really, with that. Yeah, but it's a tax write-off. And I, I really do wish people would stop saying that 
when people do things that are tax write-offs and, and things that are going to benefit them in the end and make them more money in the end uh, outweigh the bad things that they're doing because it's not okay. And you doing, I don't give it. What? I said children are tax write-offs. When you put people through school, when you put people through school, any schooling, whether it's going to be uh, grad school, whether it's going to be no, great. but she takes care of these kids. Like they live with her. So you saying she's adopting kids? Yes. What kids okay. live with her? Yeah, I, 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 I've never known that. But she, so she adopted these kids. Yes, she has. Oh, she okay. has kids that live with her, and then you know what I'm saying she's she's put them through all all school and everything. She keeps in contact with them now and stuff. I've met several of them, so that's how I know this. I, yeah, well, I would have to see that because I I've never I've never actually seen or heard of uh, Oprah adopting any kids. I've definitely seen her give five million dollars at a time. But I'm saying though, this is, that's what I'm saying. It's stuff that she doesn't that doesn't get put out there though. That's what I'm saying it's stuff that people don't see that she does. Is all um, I'm saying. Yeah, that's that's interesting. However, again, it still doesn't negate the fact that she does one bad thing. Again, people always look at things that people are doing that's good and say, "Oh, but they did this." Yeah, but it doesn't negate that they're also not doing the good things in the community. I feel like you got one bad thing out there. All the, the 10 good things that you did, it's just not enough. Um, So, I mean, that's just the way I feel. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, Oprah's a good person because she's putting kids through school. But she's also being a part of the problem and also blackballing uh, actors and actresses and, you know, people who are trying to live to get their livelihoods in this community. That's not OK. That's a that's being real sneaky. Like. I'm not. I'm not okay with that. I don't care how much good you do. If you do any bit of bad, you are a wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh, well, I don't say nobody's perfect. I'm saying we've all done our dirt. But I ain't never did no shit like that. Never would I. But I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Guru, you don't know my dirt. Oh, I know your dirt. All right, I... we're gonna end this conversation. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Is, is mama is mama still awake? I know. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if y'all know this, but in California, starting January first, California police officers will have to tell drivers why they've been pulled over for questioning them on any subject. Uh, the new law stems from a state assembly bill passed in 2022 that will take effect. Uh, this year, January 1st, uh, the law written by Assembly Assembly Member Chris Holden uh, seeks to curb uh, protectual stops in which police use a minor infraction, sometimes not mentioned in the not mentioned to the driver at the start of the interaction, as a basis to pull over a vehicle and investigate other possible crimes. Uh, while uh, Pretextual stops have been deemed constitutional. A study by researchers at Stanford University of more than 100 million traffic stops across more than 20 states found that Black drivers were one and a half to two times more likely to be searched than white counterparts, similar to the disparities, disparities existed in LA, according to 2019 uh, by the New York Times. So shout outs to uh, California for actually getting this passed. Uh, I love the fact that, you know what I'm saying? Men lie, women lie, but numbers don't. 
the numbers spoke for themselves. Like they'd be just pulling people over. Like, so the cops would just pull up for no reason. They'll just pull you over for no reason. By the time they get to your car though, I can I can either coax you into saying something that I can I have a reason to, or I could just be like, mm, smell like you're smoking some weed. So I'm gonna need you to get out the car. Like, what yeah. has no reason why you need to pull me over? Like it's crazy. Well, it's also because they pull more black people over. So they they do that visual, oh, there's a black person in a car, pull them over. That it's a yep. quote unquote random stop. If you're pulling more of us over, of course you're gonna find more things once you've already pulled us over. The issue was there was no reason to pull us over to begin with. Exactly. So if they did the same amount of random audits that they do on everybody, and it's crazy to me in areas where we're minorities, we still get pulled over more often, which lets you know it's not random. Yeah, if you pulled me over on the way home from a New Year's Eve party and then searched my car and found that I had an open bottle of alcohol, even though I wasn't, I wasn't above the the drug alcohol. What is it? The blood alcohol limit. But it's illegal for me to carry an open bottle in my car. And now I'm arrested. You wouldn't have known that. There was no reason for you to know that when I was driving by. People that get pulled over because their back head, their back tail light is out, which nobody even knows because you can't see your back tail light, and then they search their car and they get arrested for it. Like normally people get pulled over and they just give them a warning, like fix your taillight. So I appreciate this um, because you need a reason to have pulled me over to begin with before you start all of your search BS and, oh, you have a warrant. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm glad about it. You know, I'm glad they finally changed that up because I think that, um, well, we know, we actually see now that it's just a way for them to not only make their quota, but to um, just mess with and pick on Black people. Um, and so California, once again, is ahead of the game. I mean, every we always come on here, it seems like, and talks about how California is just making strides to just uh just great changes in the world and i just wish that the rest of the um the country would take suit you know so shout out to them california is always ahead of the curve they're really going to make themselves their own country they are literally on their way to it really because they're doing everything that nobody else is doing they make more money than us. They're more liberal than us. You know, they're just, they're doing some great things. I really am proud of them. Um, they, need to, they need to calm down on them taxes. That's for damn sure. At least you know where their taxes are going. Yep. I mean, I wouldn't be saying much if, because, I mean, they, I feel like they're on their way to free healthcare. Um, I think, actually, speaking of, California just did give free health care to all illegal immigrants. I did, I think I heard about that. Yeah. Which I have up. things to say about, but... Another episode. Yeah, another episode. Um, But I do... California is very expensive to live there, but I do feel like, with the exception of some of the, like, over-the-top cities, um, they they... They do seem to put their money to use that they can, they're able to explain to their residents. And it's not just the police. Right. 
Right. I agree with that. Like, I don't mind paying more taxes if it's benefiting us, you know, if it's benefiting our streets, if it's um, helping with health care, if it's, you know, I mean, it's, you know, pe people are making more money. You know, I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> I agree. That's why I think it's worth it to live in sometimes more expensive neighborhoods. Because you know that you're getting your money back in public school and community centers and what your your city does for you. Versus when you live in Orange and you pay the same taxes as the people in the Upper Montclair. Yeah, well, Orange ain't doing shit for us. <laughs> uh, great topics today. Um, really did enjoy the conversation. Um, what do you guys got planned for the rest of the week? Uh, I will be in uh, Atlanta. Uh, so check me out. I actually be probably uh, link up with a few people as well. So should be a good time. This will be my first time in Atlanta. So really? What you doing in Atlanta? Uh, I have a work event. Nice. Yeah. Same old for me. Same old, working, trying to stay relaxed. I'm going to be re reporting live from uh, MLK's house, gasoline free. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll just be chilling out. You know, I don't have much going on, just work. You know, it ain't changed, y'all. New year ain't nothing different. Now, I did start a new diet and a new workout session, and you would think that. It was for the new year, but it's actually just because my doctor told me I had to. So I, I actually reached out to a nutritionist and she put me on a new diet and uh, I started to work out with, uh, with some coworkers. So it's been going pretty well. You know, I'm five days in. Today was my break. Like I got I, I break on Fridays and Sundays. So I'm back at it tomorrow. But I'm actually excited about it. That's awesome. I'm excited for you. Thank you, yes. But we will talk to you guys tomorrow, castmates. Again, we do have uh, a guest coming, uh, the uh, owner and host of the Ugo Boy podcast is going to be joining us, and we're going to be talking to him all about what it is to be a podcaster. He also has, uh, you know, more than 10,000 followers. You know, he has YouTube, he has music. Uh, he's doing a lot. His podcast is fun. It's quirky. It has a lot of energy. Um he is uh, also uh, visual, right? You know, that's something we've been talking about. We've been wanting to, you know, see you you guys to see our faces and be able to talk to you kind of more in an up-close-and-personal section. So, again, we, we want to kind of talk to him about the ins and outs of the podcasting world, and we're excited to have that conversation. And we look forward to talking to him tomorrow, and we'll see you then. <laughs>